Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Matt Higgins is our guest today. Very interesting book, something that people should really uh, be keeping in mind when they think about uh, some important reading to do to improve the, not only their business, but themselves. And I've uh, been looking forward to this. Matt Higgins, you've, you've seen him as a guest shark on Shark Tank. Uh, plus, he's got a very exciting project we're going to be talking about in the future that uh, is, a, is in a similar vein to Shark Tank. Uh, but today, we're going to be talking about his book and, and the fact that great achievers reject backup plans, which, uh, you know, if you're on the Titanic and you get access to a lifeboat, you might want to do that. But uh, so many, uh, so many uh, people operate with this uh, mindset of I can always do that if this doesn't work and therefore the things they're working on never works. Is that not right, Matthew? That is exactly right. No, the title of the book is not called Burn the Boats with You on It. It's Burn the Boats and I am appropriating a military doctrine that goes back to the beginning of recorded history. The greatest military strategist intuitively understood that when you are outnumbered 10 to 1, the way to succeed and to dig deeper is to eliminate your escape route. So I find people reflexively sometimes recoil at that. They say, but what if and what if? And the purpose of the book is to help you transition from what if to what next and to really uh, knock down those internal and external obstacles, obstacles that prevent people from fully committing. Yeah. Talk about your audience you had in mind when you were writing the book. I love that question. I came from uh, literally nothing. <laughs> I grew up in uh, Queens, New York, uh, taking care of a homebound mom. I sold flowers on street corners. I was that little kid that would knock on your window at an intersection on Mother's Day trying to get you to buy flowers or handbags at flea markets, anything, scraping gum at McDonald's. And I made a radical decision when I was 16 years old that if I didn't change my circumstances and get out of poverty, my mother was going to die. And um, I was desperate, hated my life. And so I found a hack. Um, if you drop out of high school and do well enough on your GED, you can enroll in college two years sooner. And everyone around me said, you're absolutely crazy. You're never going to shake the stigma of being a high school dropout. You're never going to end up on this show <laughs> or any other one. And, um, but I knew that it was right for me. And that one simple radical de decision changed the entire course of my life. It pulled forward my career. It enabled me to go from 16-year-old high school dropout to youngest press secretary in New York City history at 26 on the ground at 9-11. And so the audience of the book is anybody out there who thinks that the die is cast, that their circumstances they were born into or have put themselves into more often uh, somehow have to determine their future and think, oh, it's not for me. And I, and I always start with my GD because I don't want people to see me as the guy on Shark Tank or the quote-unquote successful businessman. I want you to see me from where I came and how I was able to engineer my way out of it. And I do believe that there is a formula for us to cross that threshold of total commitment. And it's something that goes all the way back to the art of war. I wanted to appropriate it for a peacetime context. Yeah, 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 and I love that. By the way, I, I dropped out of high school when I was 16 years old, um, mainly out of boredom. Uh, I was I was in a middle class background, dropped out out of out of boredom with with a GED as the strategy. I entered college, uh, you know, when I was uh, uh, you know 17. As a result, and uh, it took me a little bit to get my stuff together. Right? When I was 17, 
and uh, I graduated with col- from college with honors, which once you get a degree behind you and you've got both your undergraduate and law degree behind you, they kind of forget about your GED experience, but I never do. Because it's, I, it uh, reminds me of, uh, you know, simply not uh, looking for excuses. A lot of people get a GED thinks, oh, this is horrible. I'm always going to be saddled with this. It all depends on what you do with it. I love that. By the way, I don't think I've ever met anyone else other than to write this moment that did the same thing. I also went to college for seven years at night while working two jobs. And then I figured I got to clean up my, my, my origin story, and I went to law school. I did four years of law school at night, Fordham Law, and then never took the bar exam just because that was the price I had to pay to tidy up that background. And, and I, I love your story. It's, a, it's the same as mine. And it's why, it's why I wrote that book. I really feel like there's a formula to live a life of perpetual growth, but everybody needs a little bit of guidance. And this, more, this metaphor was the perfect way to, to deliver that guidance. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love this idea. Uh, most people are planning to fail before they begin to pursue success uh, on whatever project. And, uh, that, and then they wonder why they, you know, and scratch their head at the end that it didn't work out. So, um, and so, you, you know, so really for short, your book is geared towards anyone who thinks your story is too terrible to be able to succeed. Yeah, and I think I, I decided to, to use my, my origin stories as the vessel to transmit this idea. But also for those who say, well, for whatever reason, Matt, I'm not you or can't be you, I, I, I interview 50 different people from all different walks of life. I have billionaires in there. I have Scarlett Johansson, the actress, and I have a, uh, an Olympian from Canada who became a paraplegic at 14 and feels like she's better off for it. But the common narrative is everyone had something that they had to overcome that was holding them back. Imposter syndrome, shame, uh, uh, a corporate saboteur in the workplace who is withholding praise because you're a pleaser and you, and you need their approval and they know it. You know, all these factors that are very hard to put your finger on. I've spent 48 years studying the universe and thinking about these issues and decided, let me try to put it into paper in a way that is easily understood. So the book isn't just for someone who wants to create a business. It's also for someone who feels like they have more in them, but they keep getting stuck and they have nobody to talk to. I, I, I hope I am that best friend that you wish you had who can give you a helping hand and maybe illustrate the way for you. Yeah, I love that. I love that story. And I, I think, uh, you know, to me, offers enormous pro- uh, promise. Talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the takeaways that you're hoping the uh, reader, you know, specific takeaways, actionable items, if you will, from reading Burn the yeah. Boats. No, great, great question. I mean, I mean, big picture, the, the, the whole book is premised on the idea that the joy of living isn't striving, right? It's this perpetual pursuit of, of, of achievement. So that's number one. You know, and, and, and actionable, you know, takeaway is the first act of shedding shame. I believe that the greatest arbitrage is entirely within our control. It's self-awareness. So the book provides an actual framework, act, actionable framework for how you can cultivate self-awareness, how you can face the issues that have been holding you back that you haven't been able to overcome in the past. I also believe that uh, our relationship with risk is inverse. People believe that you need to have the problem sorted out before you'll undertake you know, the, uh, the exercise. What do I mean by that? I never taught a day uh, at school and college until I walked uh, into Harvard Business School. 
and became a teacher. I didn't know what it meant to be a teacher at that point. I had never done it before. I was totally crushed with imposter syndrome, thinking, I do not belong here. I have a GED. But I put in the preparation. I did the self-talk that I go through in my book. And at the end of the day, you know, it's one of the most popular intensive programs at Harvard Business School. So the book goes through those different internal and external obstacles and gives you very specific prescriptive advice about how to overcome each one. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And we're all walking around with a narrative, and I love what you said about shame because uh, we live in a culture that cultivates that, cultivate that. And frankly, not, not to get political, but it, now it's like on ster steroids. Uh, the shame-based culture is now getting on steroids. Uh, and it's not only promoted in most people's family of origins, but promoted in the media on a wide scale. Uh, and all of these are, and I'm not saying people don't have issues, they don't need to address. I'm saying that the way it's being done often undermines success, happiness, uh, serenity, simple serenity, which is really important. Uh, but I love that. You know, and, and what I've, I've learned, I've learned over the year, is that guilt has value. When I've done something wrong, something offensive, whatever, guilt has value because that makes me change my behavior and be an owner if I use it properly. Shame, you know, shame attacks who you are. Guilt deals with what you've done. And uh, if you don't deal with shame, you're going to have some serious issues. Yeah, and I, I, I love that point about guilt having value. It does. It's also a governor on the engine, right? We need, we need guilt. Shame doesn't really serve any useful purpose. That's probably why regret is one of the most insidious emotions because it's entirely self-inflicted, and we know it. You know, shame is a, is a corollary of regret, but worse because shame is something that maybe you had nothing to do with. So a lot of my work um, that I talk about in the book and helping – CEOs, founders break through, a lot of it has to do with psychological issues, which makes it even harder to talk about. A lot of times we want to reduce everything down to an Excel sheet and, you know, and, and to, you know, numbers and whatnot. But the truth is the best decisions in life are a gut sandwich, sandwich between, you know, intuition with a little bit of data. So I talk in the book about these different case studies of a founder, for example, who's a martyr, and they feel like they need to do every job themselves because, you know, they, that's just the, the cross that they bear, but they're not effective leaders because they don't know how to delegate. And so, again, a lot of the work is about the self-discovery that could put you in a place to break, to break through. And then, of course, there are these external forces that are looking to weigh you down that, again, until you can identify them, you, you, it's, it's almost like I don't know where that's coming from, but it's holding, it's holding me back. So I go in the book through the five different cor corporate archetypes that I've seen repeat throughout my career of different personality profiles and bosses that uh, are intent on disrupting culture. And by putting words to these concepts, I think it does make it easier for somebody out there who's listening. Like, I thought that was happening. I thought Bill was deliberately trying to sabotage my career. And now that I read Burn the Book, I have a sense of how it's happening and it's validated my feelings and I can, I can, I can break through. Yeah, yeah, I love Another that. Thing, and what I also like... What I also like Another, is the idea of you're not saying you can't negotiate, you can't be flexible and that type of thing. You know, there's a lot of books that, you know, never be flexible, which I don't like that concept. I like win-win situations when I deal with people. Uh, but what it's saying, though, is that this is really focused on the individual, not, a, not on the whole larger dynamic, but the onus is on the individual to do what he or she said they intended to do. And that's where the power is. Right, and the, the Italians have a grab and a butcher if I try to do it in Italian, but they have a great phrase. It's basically the fish rots from the head. And 
there's a resistance to this idea because we want, again, things to be data-driven, you know, a little more factual. But, it's, but the, the greatest, you know, breakthroughs do take place around psychological issues, and they tend to start with the leader. And so, but again, when I, the worst deals I've ever done in private equity have been when I've drafted behind some, you know, marquee brand's diligence. And then I found out, like, did you notice that the CEO is struggling? And you interviewed all these different experts and did all this diligence, but you overlooked the simple fact that the CEO is a bad leader. And so a lot, a, lot, a lot of the book tries to put somebody in a position to burn the boats. Now, when people hear that title, they sometimes reflexively say, but I, I can't take risk right now. Uh, I'm not in a position. I got bills to pay. And I, and I go through uh, how to break that down and process the risk of whatever bold decision you're going to make. Work, work backwards from the worst case scenario so that you can constantly move ahead. Because once you do that, you realize, eh, I'd be all right. If everything kind of fell apart, I'd probably figure it out again. And I think if people don't want to face the worst case scenario, they invent excuses to why now is not the time. And, and one of the biggest yeah. reasons why people vote is that now is not the time. And I'll do it later when the kids are a little older, or, but there's never a good time. And the thing holding people back is they haven't, they haven't processed the worst case scenario. That's exactly right. And uh, I love how it's both future thinking, but at the same time, staying present. You don't have to do all parts today. In fact, if you try to do all parts today, you will throw in the towel. You just need to do the next right thing to get your business where you want it to be. That's awesome. Uh, Matt, love this conversation. You can see Matt. Uh, uh, you can learn more about Matt Higgins at his, at his website. Make sure you check it out. It is called BurdenToBolts.com. You can learn more about the book. Matt has been a guest on Shark Tank before. Any long-term listener on the show knows I've had many sharks on my show, some of them many times. And so love having another uh, Shark Tank participant here on the program. Uh, Matt, uh, final thoughts as we wrap it up. Yeah, I, uh, I have, a, uh, I have a, a new show that I'm working on, which I'm really excited about. It's with Mark Burnett, who's the producer of Shark Tank. And, you know, Shark Tank appeals to uh, all of America. We all love that show. But if you take a step back, you realize most of the, the uh, people coming on Shark Tank have an invention or, uh, you know, an idea that manifests as a product. A lot of people watch that show. They love it, but they can't relate to it because maybe they don't have a brilliant idea. But that's not what it takes necessarily to be a business owner. One, you could buy a business. And a lot of people get stuck with, I don't know what to buy or how to do it. The show that I'm working on with Mark Burnett is designed to deconstruct that journey and all the issues that first-time business owners face and how to help them burn the boat. So I, I love it. We're, we, we've produced it. I think it's going to be fantastic and very informative. And uh, hopefully you'll be watching it in uh, 2023. We haven't figured out the home for it yet, but we will. And, and I, I'm really proud of it. And how many episodes are in the first season? Uh, eight episodes. Um, it, it tends to be a, a couple, a tandem. Uh, and so a lot of what I do in the show, anyone out there listening who's small business owner, husband and wife, you know the unique issues you face when you partner up. A lot of the show takes people through those unique issues. And a little bit of the misperceptions. I always wanted to own a restaurant. It's great. And I'm going to take off, you know, weekends and we're going to be free. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're going to own a restaurant, <laughs> which means you're going to be tied to the business. That's not necessarily a bad thing but let's do it with eyes wide open. So if you're a viewer and you're watching that show, hopefully you'll see the thing you want to do, restaurant, dry cleaner, marina. Uh, we go through all sorts of kinds of businesses, and, and we, do, we break down what is a fair multiple to pay when you're buying it. How do you get financing? 
What are some of the ways in which partnerships break down? Uh, so I think it's entertaining, but hopefully very, very informative. Yeah. I, I, as I say when you told me about it, it's Shark Tank for the rest of, the, uh, for the rest of us. Um, you know, so for many, Shark Tank as it is, it's kind of unattainable. It's a little too far off, and this really makes it much more accessible. Matthew Higgins, thanks so much for being with us. Matt Higgins is author of Burn the Boats. I am Kevin Price. This is The Price of Business. Stay tuned for more.